Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis, which could lead to psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix treats both. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, 300 milligram dose, and adults with active psoriatic arthritis, 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent. Being there day and night. And building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show, though we'll see how much actual baseball I get into. Uh, you know, there, with the new rules being confirmed today for next season, uh, I really wanted to dive into that. We'll, we'll see if I can get to it at the end of this show. Uh, if not, I'll, I'll leave that for a podcast probably tomorrow or the next day. But there were a couple of things that I wanted to discuss uh, more around the Colorado Rockies right now and and the media coverage just because there's there's some news and, and, and news about uh, the media coverage of the Colorado Rockies and and something that's pretty near and dear to my heart and and so I thought I would come on here and, and share a few thoughts about it today and we'll see how long it takes me to get through some of this and and then like I said maybe we'll we'll get to some of the on the field and rules stuff at the end if not we'll we'll just cut it off there but uh, for those of you that don't know, and many of you do, I got my start in this wild and wacky world of covering the Colorado Rockies uh, about 10 years ago, pretty close to, we, we've got to be coming around, uh, you know, to the actual, uh, I, I think we're pretty close to the anniversary of the first game I ever covered, which would have been... Uh, at the end of that year, would it, no, so so well, well, it'll be nine years to the anniversary of the first game I covered, but it'll be ten years till I actually started at Purple Row uh, in January, and that is where I started was at uh, at Purple Row. For those of you, I'm sure most people are familiar with what it is, but right, that is the SB Nation, which is owned by Vox Media, uh, and and they do a series of fan blogs basically every team that you can think of in every sport every college team there are several of them for whatever right they've they've all got their own page where fans go and purple row has been around for a long time uh, i remember starting to read it uh, after the the last kind of era of when the rockies had been get good in the late 2000s uh, i can't remember if it was around 2010 or 2011 that i started reading Purple Row, uh, but didn't get involved there 
until 2013. And, and that's when I, I really started down this path that, that brought me to where I am today. And so for those of you that saw the news that very unfortunately the uh, budget there appears to have been cut by two thirds, wrote editor-in-chief Sam Bradfield, who, by the way, has done an absolutely phenomenal job with that site. And it's it's very disappointing and, and, and it's very <sighs> discouraging to see something like that, uh, just on a personal level. Uh, I know some of those people, uh, some better than others, some I've never actually met, but I interact with on, on Twitter semi-regularly. Um, but even if I didn't, they do a really, really incredible job there. Now, over the years, those of you who, who've known me know that, you know, after I left, there were there were some awkward times and there were some times I didn't always get along with the general population of Purple Row, especially, you know, down in the, the comments sections and the uh, the fan forums. You know, I've always had unpopular opinions and that's, that's always been a source of friction, right? That's You can't expect to agree with everybody in this business and certainly, <laughs> you know, when I'm involved, there's going to be disagreements, right? Um, but in a moment like this, it's like none of that stuff matters and, and it's just very frustrating to see that the lack of quality of play this year and and over the last couple of years and the general fan apathy toward the team has claimed yet another casualty right and you know again if if you go and read what's going on there it sounds like they're gonna be okay but um the long and short of it and i may repeat this at the end i've got a couple other thoughts but since i'm here is that you know, I, I hope people will go and support Purple Row by giving them some clicks because one of the things that they've done especially well, it's always been a part of the DNA, but I would say especially well since Sam took over, is avoiding the kind of toxic clickbaity stuff that I'm always talking about trying to avoid here, right? And what's so frustrating about this situation is you can't help but wonder had they played that game more, had they gone more with the torch and pitchfork crowd and and gone more with the sensationalism and really tried to drive up clicks by, say, writing constantly about Nolan Arenado or something to, to bring people in, right, that that might have saved them from this. And, and that's why I, I felt... I wanted to at least take a segment of the show and come on and talk about it and and direct anyone who maybe hasn't in years or or has never heard of or, or a lot of you probably do semi-regularly but not all the time to swing by and read their stuff and check out uh, the rock piles and especially the minor league coverage. It's, it's some of the most in-depth, uh, widespread coverage of the minor league system that you are going to find Actually, it is just the most in-depth coverage of the Colorado Rockies minor league system that you're going to find. And right now is one of the best times to be informed about the Rockies minor league system. Because that's where the hope is, right? That's where the hope is coming from. And they have got articles and profiles and years worth of prospect rankings and lists to really help you get to know all of that stuff. And so... You know, for the sake of the quality of the content, which I feel like has, again, I've disagreed with lots of stuff that has been written at Purple Row. 
uh, like I've disagreed with lots of stuff that's been written in the Athletic or at the Denver Post or wherever, right? And and I'm, and I'm sure they disagree with a lot of the things that I've written and said and and whatever. But it's still, I think, important to support people who are creating Colorado Rockies content with integrity, because there are a lot of people out there who are going for the cheap clicks and that's it and have no interest in an in-depth analysis. And that's not Purple Row. And so to see them take the hit, probably partially because they refused to go that route, is is really disconcerting. And you see how the entire system kind of incentivizes that, right? Like, And that's what's so frustrating about this world where it is all about the clicks and the views and the subscriptions and can you sell and move a product. And then everybody wants to say, you know, well, what happened to objective journalism? Well, kind of that, you know, that's that's kind of what happened to objective journalism is that it's it doesn't move the needle very often, you know, jumping up and down and yelling and screaming about $50 million and not getting anything for Trevor Story and all that holds people's attention, even if it's all nonsense, right? But it moves the needle. And well, and and look, I'm going to slightly transition into this next thing I wanted to talk about, and I don't want this to come off as me going at Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post, who is a reporter for whom I have a great deal of respect, and a person for whom I have a great deal of respect. And again, I think this is the perfect example of somebody who's entitled to their perspective and viewpoint and opinion, and I thought he made a a cogent argument, and he always writes well in his piece about Nolan Arenado recently, but I could not disagree more with the sentiment. And and it's not that, again, so this, for those of you that didn't read it, right, the, the headline essentially is Nolan Arenado was too good for the Colorado Rockies. Now, on a certain, like, obvious surface level reading of that sentence, like, Sure, yeah, Nolan Arenado's probably the greatest third baseman of all time, and the Colorado Rockies have been at the bottom of the standings for most of their existence. But I just fundamentally disagree with that general perspective on sports. I don't think that great players should only be allowed to play on great teams. And I think that it is reflected in how the Rockies are covered and then therefore perceived. And then oftentimes I do think that that affects them in things like free agency and trades and who wins awards and and all of that stuff about the perspective of this team. And it's wild to me because I will come out and, and try to make this argument about this bias that I see against the Rockies. And people will basically try to do two things. One, tell me that it doesn't actually exist when it very clearly does, especially when you see articles like this that basically say, eh, this franchise doesn't deserve to have... Like, that. that's just wild to me. Every franchise deserves a shot and, and to have good players. And so, anyway. And... Secondarily, people will claim, well, it's 
their own fault, right? Which is, of course, trying to have your cake and eat it too. One, that's not real. There is no such bias. But if there is this hardcore bias that, you know, never gives the Rockies a, a fair shake, it's because of everything that the Rockies have done and they deserve it, right? And that was, this was one of those, this was like the perfect piece living at the heart of that to me. And so that I saw these two things happening in relatively close proximity to each other. It was just really frustrating to see, you know, the, the paper of record in town that you would hope wouldn't need to still be writing about the star player who left quite a while ago now. And they shouldn't, but they probably need it too. I mean, newspaper industry has is, is been rough and no one out there covering the Rockies is has business a-booming right now, right? It's, it's just not. They're, the fan apathy bleeds out into everything. People are clicking on fewer articles, listening to fewer podcasts, going to fewer games, all of it. They're just spending less time and money thinking about the Colorado Rockies. And fair enough, right? But it's unfortunate that some of these companies have built their model around the two options seeming to be, all right, do this big, loud, extra thing to try to get people's attention when that's really not warranted. Or it it goes the other way and you end up getting punished for just doing a, a good job of not being sensationalist. And I know a little bit about being caught in that, but we're not going to get into all that. It's just... It's too bad. There, there needs to be more of, I think, a middle ground between having to constantly need people's attention in order to survive at all and being able to survive at all. <laughs> and again, now, Purple Row is going to continue on. And I think there was only like one person on staff who had to step away. And, and that's really sad. Like it, it just, it shouldn't be, nah. it, it's really unfortunate. It's a, they do a lot of good work and those people make nothing, man. Like I remember, I remember getting a $30 check in the mail from Vox Media. You know, the, these, these cats are not. You know, they're super fans who give a lot of their time to cover all different angles and perspectives on the Colorado Rockies. And this kind of giant media company that has no reason to care about local communities, unfortunately, just looks at the numbers and goes, well, Sorry, not enough clicks. Slashing the budget. It's like, man, when even the little guy. That's tough. So, 
Maybe throw them some clicks and listens. They got a great podcast uh, featuring my, my guys, Mac and Evan. I've never met Skyler, but a fan on Twitter. And uh, they, they do an absolutely fantastic job on their podcast as well, uh, Affected by Altitude. So just, just go check them out. You know, try to, try to support the good ones out there doing the thing. So, uh, yeah, okay, a couple of quick thoughts. Let's do some actual baseball today since uh, I've got a little extra time here and we should do that. <laughs> um, I've actually mostly talked about this stuff before, so I just want to run over it since it's official now. Uh, the new rules that are going to be in place next year, according to the competitive committee, remember that's the new group of people, uh, with the players and the managers, they, they got everybody involved, right? Representatives from all the leagues. Uh, they got like position players and pitchers. So when they decide on stuff, it, it, it's got to be a, a, a pretty strong consensus. And they have apparently come to some. There's going to be a pitch clock in baseball. This is something that I have very slowly but surely come around on. Conceptually, I've never really had a problem with let's move the game along and let's there have long been rules in place that say you can't just dilly-dally out there on the mound. And I think it's always been like 30 seconds and the umpire can issue an automatic ball, right? But there's never been a clock up there, and that's never really been enforced. And that had been my thing for a long time, was just make the umpires enforce the rule that already exists. And if you want to make it 25 seconds or 20, you know, do what you got to do. I didn't want to see the clock, but I, I, if if that is the concession that I have to make here, that just I'll not look at the damn thing. I don't want to. I, my mom said to me today, I don't want it to look like a game show, like totally, right? Like I just there is something about the aesthetic of it, but when that's the last thing I'm hanging on to is just like I don't like the look of the clock. I do think that this is going to have a mostly positive impact on the game of baseball, right? Everyone's going to be in quotes hurried up by the same amount right yes there will probably be some pitchers and hitters who struggle more or less with the rhythms of it but that's life and so ultimately i do think it's going to speed the games along a little bit i was a little surprised they went with 15 seconds when there's nobody on base and 20 seconds for when there are runners on that makes sense i'm glad you know i hadn't really uh dived into that specific thing before but that's definitely necessary that the the you need to have it be a little bit different for the running game especially with the other thing they're doing which i'll get to in a minute which should have some effect of bringing back the running game so the 15 second pitch clock 20 for runners on uh, i i think it's a good i think it's ultimately going to be a good thing let's move the game along a little bit uh if everyone's used to it everyone will get used to it you got to get hitters back in there as well uh, enforce the rule. Just don't make the clocks super ugly and irritating. Please don't add a buzzer or anything. You know, just again, let's <laughs> like my mother said, don't make it a game show. There's nothing wrong conceptually with let's move it along a little bit. And I do think that that can help with the pacing of the games. And I think that could help with casual audiences and, and bringing them into baseball. And I, I've never thought there was anything wrong with that. As long as you're not ruining the game to do it, then fine. And I don't think this qualifies as ruining the game. At worst, it might be mildly irritating for a little while. 
the bigger bases thing, uh, I talked before about this. We talked with Mark Knudsen at the beginning of the year. It's one of those weird, like, why are they even doing this at the same time? Why not do it? Like, I don't see a ton of upside. Maybe there will be fewer injuries around the bag. Maybe there will be more stolen bases. We can look at that data in a couple of years for right now. I don't see a harm in it. Uh, one of my favorite lines in uh, the West Wing. It's been a little while since I made a West Wing reference. I feel like I was due for one. There's this great scene where after uh, having a debate in, in a meeting with the president, two of the, the president's top advisors are walking through the hall and says, hey, why, why didn't you have my back in there? And the, the other one says, hey, look, you get my support the same way I get your support, which is when I either agree with what you're saying or when I don't care about what you're saying, but this time I disagree. And I always thought that was great because it's the I don't care about what you're saying, right? Right. That, that thing of like, okay, if, if I don't really have a dog in this fight, I'll go with my friend or the person I think is making the better argument or, or whatever, the fact that someone has an argument at all. And that's kind of where I'm at on the bigger basis thing. It's like, I'll, I'm in favor of the fact that the committee is making changes and trying to push the game forward and, and thinking about things to innovate. Do I have a take on bigger bases? Not especially, but I'll let it, so give it to them, right? So why put up a fight? No reason to fight about bigger bases. Let them have it. Uh, the banning of the shift, of course, is the one big one that I really have come around on in a big way over the last couple of years. I think this is going to have a big positive impact on the game of baseball. I think it's going to create quite a bit more action. We're going to see more base hits. It's going to be good for the slappy contact guys, but it's also going to be good for the, the big sellout power hitters who sometimes hit the hard ground ball uh, on the right side. And, you know, that's been a a ground out to the second baseman or third baseman, sometimes standing in shallow right field for a couple of years now. And I think bringing back that single. And so if it's for a guy who's a, a big sellout power guy, and, and now there's going to be more singles from those guys, but they're not great base runners, maybe that means more double plays. And who doesn't love watching some pretty fun and nifty double plays? There's going to be more defensive gems. There's going to be more base hitting. There's going to be more base running. Uh, and I think that all of that is going to improve the game and move us away a bit from this three true outcomes. You hit a home run, you strike out or you walk. Uh, no real need to think about players in terms of their ability on defense or on the base paths. No reason, you know, this kind of hyper specialization era where... You know, guys like Rowdy Telez and Daniel Vogelbach and <laughs> stuff like that are like out there. Like, and not that there's anything wrong with having a few of those guys around the league or whatever, but I'd, I'd really like to see uh, at least as much value given to those athletic players who can make a great play on defense, who can run the bases really well, who can put the ball in play. And yeah, maybe they weren't born with the the gift of strength to hit the ball over the wall consistently but a lot of these players used to be some of the most fun and interesting to watch in the game a lot of you know i have a particular bias toward them the juan pierre kenny lofton you know ryan altapia like uh, jose iglesias Jonathan daza like i like these guys who good athletes play good defense run the bases well great contact skill uh, you know, but they're they're never going to be these superstar players because they don't hit the ball over the wall that much. But it used to be, at the very least, they, they had a lot of value. And while I think 
the metrics are going to underrate them no matter what. I think at the very least, bringing back to the game that, that these hits are going to get down and, you know, these record low batting averages and record high strikeouts, like the stuff, it's not, it's just not fun to watch. It's just brutal to be watching a game of who can hit the most home runs now, right? Like which pitcher makes more mistakes as opposed to which team can build a rally, you know, who who can execute a hit and run, steal a base, or just string together four or five hits in an inning. Remember when that used to be a thing? <laughs> anyway, so starting to sound like an old man, so it's time to get out of here. Thank you all for listening into this episode. Those are my thoughts on the rules and some of the stuff going on here in the local media market. I'll get back out to the on-field Colorado Rocky stuff here in the next couple of days, but I appreciate you all for listening into this episode of 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're checking out all the other podcasts on the network and all the written content over at milehighsports.com. Other than that, I can only ever ask that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis. Felt like I was trapped between a rock and a hard place. Then I started Cosentix. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe black psoriasis, 300 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix.